before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. You guys know that supporting local businesses in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. DRC is tried and true since 1972, and they're the most reliable partner for all of your long-term projects that have anything to do with rubber, and that especially means anything you need for a snowplow. They have you covered over at DRC. Go to drcfirst.com slash dnvr or call them at 1-800-259-0010. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curves from mile high the best part of the weekend hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend having a good time All right, welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off your next order from Strava Craft Coffee. And man, a weird, 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 weird football game. But in the end, doesn't matter how they got there, the Denver Broncos finished 4-1 and one under Drew Locke. Or as Vic Fangio would say, you mean the Broncos finished four and one not drew not not drew lock finishing four and one but however it boils down they finished I, didn't say that. I said the broncos <laughs> under drew lock finished four and one and what's more impressive that or that the broncos finished second in the afc west after an and four start that's not impressive at all no after an <laughs> four start going seven and five what uh, were the third and fourth place teams and what was their records well one of them you beat today right you beat the oakland raiders seven and nine five and eleven yep all Whoop-dee-doo. I'm saying is that there's no other good teams in the AFC West. Whoop de do. So you guys don't take you don't take any any anything from well, second. When they went 0-4, I wrote that piece on thednvr.com about how teams like the Broncos that lose a bunch of close games to get to 0-4 typically go between five and seven and seven and five the rest of the way. It's kind of the, the meaty part of the curve. And this team came out on the high side, seven and five. Why did they come out on the high side? Drew Locke had a lot to do with it, even though today he didn't have as much to do with getting the win. This, guys, was an exceptionally rare game. It's only the fifth time in NFL history since at least 1940 that a team has been outgained by at least 235 yards, has not won in turnover margin, and still managed to win the game. The Broncos in no way, shape, or form played a good football game today. No. They weren't good on defense. They weren't good on offense. <laughs> they weren't good on special teams. Actually, they were they were decent on special teams. But Holy Wadman had a good game. Yeah, Wadman had a good game. McManus honestly should have finished the season perfect after his temper tantrum. <laughs> but Garrett Bowles messed that up for him. McManus probably wasn't mad enough because Vic let him go out there. Right, right. Vic so he's probably to happy. T- Vic should have told him, like, no way I'm letting you kick this. <laughs> and then he would be like, what? And then he would have let him go out and do it. Um but, yeah, he almost finished perfect after that. In the end, offense and defense today, both not good. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, they gave up 391 passing yards to Derek Carr. Goodness gracious. I will say this, though. The most important part of defense is red zone defense. And in the red zone, they were money. 
until the very last drive of the game. Which, but then they were money when it counted right after that. Right, exactly. It's funny because I turned to Zach as they came down and were inside the five-yard line, and I said, we haven't seen a game because we're down in the uh, south end zone at the very end of games. And I said, we haven't seen a game get, come down to this side of the field since Ben Roethlisberger got intercepted by Shelby Harris in the end zone. And what, who, of course, is the hero once again down on that side? It's Shelby Harris. A man that's about to get paid this offseason. Probably not in Denver. Definitely not in Denver. Farewell to Shelby. <laughs> we appreciate your uh, contributions and especially um, the, the batted passes. Yes, he had a few of those today. Two of them, yep, in crunch time. Yep. Um, he kind of became a master of that, and we always joke on this podcast, offensive linemen will tell you you only bat down balls when you didn't win at the line. But, hey, if you're going to lose, you might as well win in another way. So <laughs> right. Good for him. Um, it's, a, it's hard. This is another reason why you needed the five-game sample size with Drew Locke. It's hard to, like, know how to feel about this game for Drew. Um, they weren't prolific by any stretch of the mind on offense. Drew did things that we've seen him do before. Um, I thought he was really um, especially good in this game, kind of avoiding pressure and making throws on the run, or, or even not necessarily on the run, but just not necessarily on script. Um, just getting out of the way of pressure, delivering strikes. But in the end, like, I don't know, what do you come what feeling in it if you just look at this game in a vacuum drink? Um <laughs> if you if you just look at this game in a vacuum, what feeling do you come away with Drew Locke? And I only get this game? Yeah, just what is what is this game? He did what needed to be done. He wasn't Barely. miraculous, he didn't take the game over, but I was never looking at him saying, Oh my gosh, the Broncos are going to win this game in spite of Drew Locke, or they're going to lose this game because of Drew Locke. He did enough. And you know what? That's okay. Your quarterback's not going to go out and win every single game for you, especially a rookie. And he's just proven to me time and time again that this guy is not a one-trick pony. And how important is that? Uh, the NFL typically always has a counter move to quarterbacks after about 5 to 16 games. What I've seen from Drew Locke is that when he's hit with that counter next year from the NFL – He's going to be able to bounce back because he's shown that he can play so many different types of games. So when the NFL counters, he's just going to break out one of his other games to, to overcome that. So I'm very confident in him. I'm confident in him. I think this game showed some of his limitations at times. The last couple of games in particular, I think they really got cautious, but... It's nothing to where I'm not continuing to build around him for 2020. It's just part of my thing of what is the difference between a guy and the guy. Next year is about finding out if he can be the guy. But you are building around him. Next year is about finding out if he can make the good more consistent to me. Um, and if he does, which personally I expect, there's nothing that I've seen so far that's going to tell me that he's not going to continue to progress and only get better then I think this team is really dangerous. Like, really, really dangerous next season. Um, like, really, really dangerous. He determines the ceiling of this team. 100%. If Drew Locke is only what he's been the last five games, you can go to the playoffs with that, but you're probably not going to get very far. Why do you say that? They just went 4-1 and one in his first five starts. Because you're not going to win many games getting outgained by 240 yards. And not unless you have a bunch of takeaways. The funny thing, though, is that 
I put a lot of that on the defense. I think it's the defense's fault they got outgained by that much because they couldn't get off the field. And the, offen- passing and the offense couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, and I think, you know. It was the very opposite of complimentary football. Right. Both sides um, have their own faults in that. But I always think it's really tough for an offense to go out there after a long drive and try to sustain anything because there's a lot of pressure on them. But it goes both ways. And that's what good offenses can do. And it just sort of speaks to an area in which the Broncos need to get better because you go back to when Joe Flacco was the quarterback and a key moment that lost that game against the Jaguars was after they had that long drive and the offense lickety split went three and out. Next thing you know, Leonard Fournette is you know, leaving his cleat marks all over the Broncos' D. So, But that was pre-Drew. I'm aware of that. <laughs> that 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 was pre-Drew. Now we see what, you know, when it when an offense, they didn't look good today. And Vic Fangio said that after the game, but they did enough. And earlier in the season, the offense wasn't good and they didn't do enough to win those games. This offense did enough. And that's a huge credit to Drew. 16 points isn't going to win you many games. I'd say if it's not Drew out here and they put up 16 points, they find a way to lose the game though. Yeah. I think the point here is well, for me when I look at this game, I put it in the same category as last week and we and Drew's first game. They're just games that are just that's that's good enough. I think you used the right term there. Good enough. And then he has the Texans game, which was just out of this world incredible, and the Chiefs game, which was a complete fluke. Um for me, it's almost like we as uh, the Broncos fan base as a whole has gotten a little ahead of ourselves. This is a rookie quarterback in his first five games. And so good enough in three out of five games and above the bar in four out of five games and on the winning side in four out of five games is spectacular. And I think everyone is so ready to talk about Drew Locke as the starting quarterback for the next 10 years that it's been lost that it gets lost in the shuffle that this is the just the very very tip of the iceberg for him. So you know, we've talked about this before but the critics and and I don't mean that in a negative sense. The people who are going to go watch every single one of Drew Locke's throws and analyze his whole game are going to come out saying, eh, "Is eh, a whatever type of game." But I think to realize that this was a bad football team that he took over, and he or a, a a team that was down in the dumps at least, and he was able to do enough to get them to win four out of five times is really 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 impressive, and in the end, the you know who was the king of doing just enough to get the team to win his boss John Elway. So while you don't want to put up sixteen points, you want to put up sixty. If you put up 16 and win more times than you don't, then there's something to be said about but that. But you're happy with 27. And going into this game, that's what they were averaging in games not played in driving snowstorms. Yep. 27 offensive points per game. So, yeah, I mean... They just didn't play good football today. Yeah, it was... And they won. <laughs> yeah, good for them. You're going to lose most of those games. I'm, get, I'm getting a really down vibe from you, Mace. I, I, I'm, I'm just Drew. saying it, it's just... It's a reminder of... The fact that he's got a long way to go, and what again, specifically did you think that he didn't do well today? Thought he could push the ball downfield better. Yeah, he, I mean, he missed Cortland on one early. Um, they didn't connect on anything really too deep, so I think 
That's it was clicking when he was throwing to Deshaun. Deshaun Hamilton was actually the the gear and the offense that was making things go today. Yeah, we talked. I mean, you guys both used him in the roundtable as the guy who can change the Broncos' plans for him. I think he is the wide receiver three going into next season, and and unless you know someone they really like falls to them in the draft or whatever that can come in and be that guy, I think it would be earlier on that you're looking for a wide receiver too. But I think Deshaun Hamilton has showed with Drew Locke that he can be a solid wide receiver three. He was Mr. Third Down today. Yep. It seemed like every third down Drew was looking his way, and most of the third downs he was throwing his way. It was it was impressive, and I mean Drew Locke is just showing that he doesn't need five great receiving options to be good. He can he can Devontae Booker has had the best five game stretch in a long time. Um Noah Fant has, <laughs> that's not, has that's has a some, low bar for him. But, but, but it's, it's part of it's a pattern. True. This was a guy that just was not doing anything. Same with Deshaun Hamilton. The last four games, not including tonight's game, he had more receiving yards, touchdowns, and catches than he did in the first, uh, what, 12 games of the season? 11 games of the season? So, Drew Locke, that's what great quarterbacks do, isn't How much it? do you put on, on Drew Locke and how much do you put on coaching? I mean, I would say the fact oh, that— Oh, you're killing no, Drew I'm just, today. I'm not killing. I'm just saying it's there are other factors. I think Vic Fangio actually taking the time to show Deshaun Hamilton some film of DeAndre Hopkins showing that the head coach has invested in his success, I think that has at least as much to do with Deshaun Hamilton playing well down the stretch as Drew Locke does. No freaking chance. <laughs> no way. That's like a nice little anecdote in the story. It's not the story. The story is that he came in with a quarterback. He had a fresh slate, and that helps too. And Drew Locke is the type of quarterback. A fresh slate, but he dropped the first opportunity for a big play with said quarterback. For sure. But this is a this is for sure a case of Drew Locke unlocking his talent. And to me, <laughs> I think Drew is the type of quarterback that Deshaun Hamilton is designed to uh, succeed with it's he is about finding gaps in the defense and sometimes you can find a gap in the defense but there's not a place to get it there Drew's able to get himself into a position where he can deliver that throw um, I think Fangio and the coaching and all that stuff has been nice but when you look across the pattern you look at the pattern of who has can who has all played better over the last five games it's Andrew Beck who all of a sudden is like a star uh, it's Deshaun Hamilton. It's Devontae Booker even making a few plays. You go down the whole list, even some of the offensive linemen. Garrett has kind of undone things a little bit here. Well, he the had end. the chance for a, a clean game. Didn't he get a – oh, he did he not get a holding? No, he had a – No holding penalty. What was it, block in the back? What did he get? He got something early. I think – I know he got flagged early. I think he did. Anyways. Yeah, he had the chance for the closest thing to a clean game that he's had in a long time, and he blew it. And Yeah, the Raiders baited him into it. But part of being a mature player is not being able to take the bait. Yeah, I heard him in the locker room say that someone punched him in the face. I, I, I don't know if they did or not. <laughs> but how often do we but, talk I about mean, this in any realm? They're always going to get the response. They're not going to get the, inst the instigation. It is unbelievable to me that in the National Football League, the awareness can be so low. The fact that the Raiders are fighting for their lives on the season, they are so desperate. And a ball comes out of Drew Locke's hands and just rolls around the field and not a single play. I'm talking about this is a desperate football team trying to do anything they can to win. They're, they're back in the game. And they just watch the ball roll around? This is the NFL. If you're 1-14, you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you're jumping on that ball. Give me a break. And then, and then you put all the, the things that the Raiders were fighting for? It was pathetic. And the Raiders were pathetic today. Yes. I mean, just 
a joke. Yep. The Raiders were a joke today. They went out in classic Oakland Raiders style. A hundred percent. They, I mean, they they did everything wrong in the first half. The fact, like, I looked up at one point and I was like, "How does this team have three points? How do they only have three points?" Like, they they honestly had a chance to. They could have been up twenty-one to to three in the first half. Yep. And I mean, they just the the lack of discipline, the penalties, the bad calls. I mean. Ejection at the end. I mean, that was appropriate. <laughs> what a way for them to end their Oakland years and with a guy getting ejected in the final 10 seconds of their last game as the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> we didn't even know that happened down on the field. Yeah. <laughs> a guy, uh, guy got ejected on the onside kickoff. And not the guy there was that a scrum ran after. on the field, right? Yeah. yeah. Different guy. And he literally broke ankles on the field. <laughs> yes, he did. Like, that's actually what happened to the guy. Um, also, hope that guy's okay. Um, Will Parks gave him a little handshake and a yeah. high five, and also never we got the never thumbs run up on the field. Don't do that. That is so stupid. I, I should have been. I should have pulled out my phone and gotten video of it when it happened. I uh, screwed up there. <laughs> I used to hate the whole idea of like, oh, they're not going to show it on TV, but it's so dumb. And apparently, this guy was just standing like right next to us before he ran out. That's what they said. <laughs> I just. And how come no one stopped him? That, did you know that's a felony? What? Stopping him? No, no going, oh, down running the field. going on the field. It's yeah, a, a felony. That's a little much. It's so stupid. I think that gets plea bargained down to a misdemeanor. Probably, but it's to discourage people. It's also post 9-11 security measures. But still, like you got you have to be so dumb to do oh, that. Man. I'd say so drunk, so high. Well, yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, anyways, where were we? Uh, the, the Raiders are a joke. I'm so glad that team didn't somehow back their way into the playoffs because they are garbage. And... I think I don't. I can't be too critical of Drew Locke today. I just I don't think any. There wasn't turnovers. Uh, he wasn't loose with the football. He didn't make any overtly bad decisions that I thought hurt the team. I just thought it was a really vanilla game plan. Um, a defense that couldn't get off the field that never allowed the offense to get into a rhythm. Uh, but I thought Drew Locke did more good than bad today. Well, would you that, be that, saying? Would you be saying that though, if? They lose 17-16, then win 16-15. Well, you wouldn't be able to say he did enough at that point. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you would have just flipped that and said he didn't do enough. But it, you, So he you, owes Shelby Harris a nice steak dinner. Sure. Mm. I'm, always, I'm all for a steak dinner. Here's his line. 17 of 28, 177 yards, one touchdown, no pick, sacked twice, a rating of 90.9. That's kind of exactly what, what I'm saying. It's, it's ma- solid. Makes it ma- exactly. And, and exactly. I, and, but and, for, for a guy that's making his fifth start in the NFL and to also win the game doing that, I'm thrilled with that. But if he does this, if he plays at this level, I think his rating is 89.7 for the season. If he plays at this level next year, right about that, then I think it can be good enough to – Nudge them into the playoffs at around ten and six, partnered with what the defense can do, but he would have to show that he can do more in order to justify being the guy long term. But Mace, there there are a lot of steps that he needs to take. He's shown that he's shown that he can do more against the Houston Texans, and I I am giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to get better because what I think we also can't forget is it's not just five games. It's not just going four and one. It's that he had nine or ten practices before even taking that first start. Now 
he's not just going to have weeks of practice. He's going to have an entire offseason program, more than he had even as a rookie because he's going to be in the building at the beginning of April instead of getting drafted at the end of April. And he's going to be empowered. And he's not going to be the third-string quarterback. He's not going to be on IR if everything goes right. He's going to be getting all of the training camp reps. So I think we've only scratched the surface with what he can do. Yeah, I think it would be um – I think it's completely fair to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will be better than this. There's so much that goes into an off season and a training camp and all of that leading up that he got almost none of. He comes back into nine regular season practice, which some media members thought would be an impossible feat to go and play well after nine practices. And he goes out there and plays better than uh, – I would say he played well played well on average on a five-game span. And that's really good considering the circumstances. And there's no there's no reason for us to believe he has the work ethic, he has everything. There's no reason for us to believe that he will not get better over an offseason and over the course of a full season as a starting quarterback. I hope so. And I think it's possible he can get better. I just hope he can improve enough to where we're not sitting here in a couple of years debating whether to give him a long-term contract or not. Because there's another level he's going to have to reach in order to be out of that debate of saying, do we commit to giving him everything and giving him the big deal? That's fair. I mean, that's a uh... I, Yeah, I know this is way down the road, but as I'm projecting with Drew Locke, I'm trying to say, okay, can I see a top shelf, top 10, top 12 quarterback? A lot has to happen. Wow, I'm there. I'm there already. A top 10, top 12 quarterback? That he can be? Absolutely, positively. He for sure can be. Uh, I don't think he has any limitations physically, mentally, or any of the bo- any of that that would stop him. And I him. think next year's is in large part about determining that. Again, the yes. difference between being a You're guy and the me. guy. You're crushing me right now. In his first four games, or in his first five games, as a rookie, like I said, with only nine starts, over 60% completion, which was one of the biggest knocks of him coming out of college, was that. What was the actual number? Uh, I don't I don't know. He was at 65 coming into this game, and he was above that I've number I've got today. it in front of me. 64.1 there we go. completion That's percentage. Great. 1,020 yards in five starts. So, so over 200, 200 yards. 204 yards. It's nothing special. Um 6.5 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Seven touchdowns and three picks. Give me that all day, every day from a guy making his first five starts. I love it. I love it. So what it comes down to is just our confidence level. My confidence level through Drew after these first five games, through the roof. Th- through the roof, uh, he's the guy. And there's no qualifications for me. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you, and I, I don't see anything that – I haven't seen anything out there where I say, oh, that is going to hold him back from being a great quarterback or this or that. Like, obviously, he has to improve, as every young player does when they come into the league. But I haven't, there hasn't been any red flags for me. I haven't said, oh, God, his decision making is really questionable. Seven touchdowns, three picks. I haven't seen, uh, oh, he has a really hard time getting off his first read. I think he actually, he blew me away with the way that he was able to get through his reads. I haven't seen any of those things that you can see from a young quarterback, such as like a Trevor Simeon when he has that 4-0 start, where you're like, well, this is great, but I can see the limitations. I don't see what's going to stop him from being a really good quarterback. He's also a great leader. 
He also has all of the intangibles. He wants to be great. He's gonna li- he's gonna stay in Denver. He's going to work with potentially some of the names like Mike Shanahan and Peyton Manning. The leadership is the best thing he has going for him. I'd and that's right a now. really important part of this. I think uh, his arm talent is the best thing he has going for him. But when you act, when you mix that with uh, leadership, you have a really good mix. So I there there's nothing holding me back from saying that he can be a top 10 quarterback in this league. He's also got to be able to show the arm talent, and that means occasionally you're going to have to take the shackles off him a little bit. Oh, uh, they yeah. I, th- I, I mean, and that's going to come, I think, with a, an offseason of work, training camp. I think Rich Gangarello is going to have a whole offseason to design the Drew Locke offense, which is not what he was tasked with this offseason, remember. He was designing the Joe Flacco offense, and then he put together, you know, a – mishmash of what they did with Joe Flacco and what they thought Drew Locke liked this whole offseason. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that Drew Locke's going to win MVP next year, but look what they did with Lamar Jackson. It's the same exact thing. Lamar Jackson came in into a Joe Flacco offense, and they had to mishmash together what they thought would work for him. He had a really hot start, just like Drew, and then they went into the offseason. They took everything that he did well, and they built a whole offense around it. And now Lamar Jackson is the MVP. That is going to be a really fun project for Rich Gangarello this year to look at what Drew Locke does best and build an entire offense around him. And that's going to allow Drew to really take the next step. All right, before we take the next step on this <laughs> podcast, shout out to Breckeridge Brewery. We're really bummed that we weren't able to put on um, the final tailgate of the year today. Sorry to anyone who came out hoping to see that. But just a better reason for you to make uh, a point to come to one next year. And shout out to Breckeridge Brewery for supplying the beer the entire year and we never had one singular leftover breck brew and it's not like we didn't bring a lot we never had one singular leftover breck brew after any of the tailgates so we know that you guys enjoy it as much as we do we brought a trunk full to all of them and speaking of lots the green solution has 17 colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible so get on your phone right now Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, guys, before we go anywhere else, here's what Vic Fangio had to say today about Drew Locke being the guy. He said, I thought he did okay. We never got into a good rhythm offensively. I don't feel like. I wasn't happy with our performance offensively. But again, I didn't see anything from Drew that told me, oh, geez, maybe he isn't the guy. I like the way he's played. And I like the way he's reacted and played through games that that weren't going well. To me, that's part of being an NFL quarterback. He showed that he's got that part in him. So Vic Fangio... Didn't say he's the guy. Maybe he's letting John do that tomorrow when we talk to him to wrap up the season officially. But he said he's not not the guy. <laughs> I think he'd rather they go shopping for other positions too. Mm-hmm. Take that money and spend it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. How could he not? I mean, they're going to need a corner probably. And that brings me in Dance, to D-line, the next point. Offensive line. Yeah, they have, they have quite a few holes. But you know who definitely thinks Drew Locke is the guy? Chris Harris Jr., because when asked if this finish to the season would affect his decision in free agency, he said, definitely, definitely, we finally have a quarterback that I'm confident in. And I think in terms of endorsements of Drew Locke, that's about as good as I've heard from one of the players. Because Chris Harris Jr., who's in the twilight 
side of his career is saying, I will consider how good Drew Locke is when I'm making my decision about where I'm going to go in free agency. It's a Peyton Manning effect, huh? And, and it's not as strong as Peyton, and Mace is probably cringing hearing me say that. But Well, there are also people, other things that Chris said. Yeah, well, and we'll get people, to the rest. But people come came to Denver because of Peyton Manning. People are maybe now going to consider Denver more than they would have because of Drew Locke. It's step one, right? Because before, it's like the quarterback situation is actively deterring people from coming here. Now you're going to get to a situation where people are looking at it as a promising thing. Definitely not a deterrent, maybe not the decider yet. But if Drew Locke does take that next step, then that's where you can get to, I want to go play for that guy. I mean, I talk about this with college recruiting, and I say everything matters. Everything matters in college recruiting. Down to, you know, uh, Dabo Sweeney last night is talking about, um, you know, he's, he probably said God 37 times in the postgame uh, presser. And I was with someone who was like, oh, my God, that's so annoying. And I'm like, one, that is who he is. Two, he's, that, that is recruiting. Because some mom is sitting at home with their five-star running back son <laughs> saying, sweetie, you need to go play for him. He's a man of God. The college football recruiting never ends. This I can kind of apply to Drew Locke sitting on the sidelines spitting out rap lyrics today. It's a cool thing. But honestly, guys see that and they're like, Man, my quarterback's a square. That guy looks dope. I would play for him. And it's not going to be the deciding factor, but it's my whole thing of every little thing matters. And free agency is a lot like recruiting. Those things, they're not deciding factors, but they move the needle even if it's just one little notch in the right way. Don't you think, though, he's probably another season away from being that guy who does move the needle in yes, free agency? Yes, 100%. Yeah, because I think what's going to move the needle for the Broncos in free agency is cash Money. coming hard. But really quick, I think it starts internally first. That needle moves with the Chris Harris Juniors, with the guys that are on your team with free agency. And this year, they saw what Drew is next year. I agree with you, Mace. For the outside free agents, it'll be after this 2020 season when everyone outside of the building will say, oh, okay, that dude is the guy. Well, let's just use Odell Beckham Jr. as an example. Uh, Him and Von Miller are like best friends. He wants to demand a trade. I'm speaking hypothetically. He wants to demand a trade out of Cleveland, and the Broncos want to get in on this. He calls up Von Miller and says, hey, man, I'm thinking about coming there. Like, what can you tell me about Drew? Von is going to do backflips for Drew Locke, talking about how great he is, how, how great they'll get along, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it does the, – the needle is moving in the right direction. Drew isn't going to be the deciding factor, even for a wide receiver right now. But we're back to neutral – which is great because we were on the other side of it for a while. Here. Okay, so now Ryan's down on Drew. Oh, boy, oh I'm glad I can be Get here for you here. guys well, to keep this thing afloat. Well, you're Mr. Laughter and Sunshine, Zach. You're, <laughs> that's your role. They I just went 4-1, and one, Mace. <laughs> what, am I, I don't, what did I do? I didn't say anything negatively. I don't know what you're talking they about. They were 1-1 one right. one against playoff teams, and they were 3-0 and oh against crap teams. All right, we are going to – Get in a little more to what Chris Harris Jr. said because we had a long, long conversation with Chris and I thought there was a lot to unpack from it. So, Mace, I just want to ask you, what did you come away feeling like with Chris as we left that conversation? Came away thinking he was saying his goodbyes. Well, um, he literally he said, literally his, said goodbyes. his goodbyes <laughs> to the media. And he but, did it publicly on Twitter, too. Yeah. Did he? After came, the game? Yep. Came away thinking that the, the possibility of the Broncos keeping him is basically a Hail Mary at this point. That 
he has looked at how he was used, where things are going lineup-wise, how he would be used in 2020, and wants to see what else is out there. I think the other thing with Chris is that he didn't, of course, he didn't go on the market the last time he had an expiring contract. He re-upped with the Broncos in December of 2014 and just get the sense that he wants to see what else is out there while he has a chance to do it. Yeah. Going into year 10, just want just wants to find out. I mean, he said he's uh, going, you know, going back home to Dallas later this week. That is still his home base. So while he's got a lot of affection for the Broncos and their fans, it's not home to him. Dallas is. So sounded like a man who is ready to move on. Really, can I can I read the tweet that that he sent off at seven fourteen? So after the game, he said, "Thank you, Broncos country, for everything. It's incredible what we've accomplished. Undrafted and nine years later, love y'all." Yeah. So here's how I came away from this. Chris is definitely not going to stick around Denver on some sort of sentimental type of thing. With that being said, he said only the greats stay in one place for their whole career. And so that's something that matters to him. He did make mention of Drew Locke and how he's much more confident. But he and and here's another thing that will help the Broncos. He also said he's not just going to chase the most money and take the best deal that's out there. But he wants to be used right. Like he he doesn't want to go to a team but that, that will pay him the most money and not allow him to play in and, the slot. And that's the most important thing. That is going to be everything about Chris Harris Jr.'s position uh, and where he goes in free agency is how are you planning on using me? That's going to be the first question he asks anyone and the answer is going to determine where he goes and what it comes down to. And he said this on the record, I am the best slot corner in the league and he wants to be used on the money downs in the slot. And he admitted that the Broncos did not want to make him shadow the top receiver for every play the whole season, but that with injuries, their hands were tied to do so. So he also said that he loves the idea of playing in the slot in Vic Fangio's defense. He said, look what Will Parks was able to do in that role. Imagine me. <laughs> and Gosh, then acknowledge that might be Bryce Callahan. Right. Because Callahan comes back and Callahan – has only been a slot corner in Chicago. So essentially, if the Broncos are going to keep Chris Harris Jr., and I know there's probably fans out there saying right now, we don't want him anyway. If you're going to use him in, in that way, he is still very, very, very valuable. But if the Broncos are going to keep Chris Harris Jr., is going to come down to what else are you doing? Are you going to get Chris Harris Jr. and another corner? Um, because the truth is, Chris Harris Jr., Bryce Callahan, and then another guy – would be really serious but I just I don't think the Broncos are going to invest all of that money into the cornerback position so while I do not think Chris is closed off to the idea of staying in Denver but in any way shape or form I don't think the Broncos are going to do the things that Chris would want them to do for him to feel uh comfortable staying here fair, fair? to say yeah that's yeah. that's what I came away from the conversation and, Again, I know people aren't in love with Chris, and it's because it's like an emotional protection thing, I think. Like, people are just trying to unmarry themselves from Chris Harris Jr. Because they think this is the end. This is now a massive, massive hole for the Broncos, is cornerback. 
even if Bryce Callahan comes back and stays healthy, you are still very, very, very thin and weak at that position, and, and that is scary. So what do you both think a contract would be for him to stay? Not that's favorable to the Broncos, but a realistic one. And with also, you know, the understanding that he gets to play the role he wants. $42 million over three years. <sighs> Mace, so four, I think, I so think 14 that's... $14 million per. Yep. That would, that would get it done. That would get it done, and that would be a lot. That would be a lot. They're spending a lot on corner because whether it's Chris Harris Jr. or Byron Jones or James Bradbury, that would probably be the position that... Maybe beyond Justin Simmons, depending on what you end up paying him. But if you just give him the franchise tag, that'll be around $12 million. So if you only tag Justin Simmons, the position you're going to spend the most at in terms of one guy, it's going to be cornerback. So, Ryan, Chris comes to, to you. You're John Elway. You're Ryan Elway. And it's mid-February, which is when John said he'll start talking to, to his own free agents. And he says, three years, $42 million, what, makes 30 guaranteed? At least, maybe have oh, more than that. Okay, 34. 33, 34. Thir- 34 guaranteed, yes or no. If you say no, we're done. And I'm Chris? No, you're Va- You're John. You're oh. Ryan Elway. Oh, and Chris, you're John is putting, <laughs> Chris is putting that offer on the table yep. and saying, this is the only thing I'll take. Take it or leave it, or I'm walking out of here and blocking your number. Yeah, yeah, you, you, and, and you can't just say, like, here's $3 million or something. No. No. Okay. Um, Thanks for everything you've done. Yep. What's the cash budget going to be? Because that that also comes into play. We're going to talk a lot about the cap space they've got, and they're going to be able to roll over north of $14 million of cap space into the 2020 cap. But what is their cash budget? Yeah, but you have to put the cash in escrow when you're talking about the type of guarantee you're talking about with Chris Harris Jr. Can let, a guarantee let, going say, in the 30s. Let's say you can do the cash. You yeah, say no. Just, Mace, just, what do you say? I'm partial to Chris, but I'd do it. Woo. Oh, so I have to ask, uh, for that third year of the deal, which some of that in this would be partially guaranteed or would be fully guaranteed, some of that, would you uh, be keeping in mind that maybe he's a safety that third year? Or what, what are Possibly you Possibly because on? It's, it's after the expiration of Kareem Jackson's contract. Right. So he'd be under contract one year longer than Kareem Jackson. Miss, miss me with putting old guys <laughs> at safety that's like i just think that's an archaic idea well, um, uh, archaic and it all. worked 15 years ago precisely <laughs> <laughs> um i just here's what i think vic fangio is a magician on the defensive side of the ball i don't know if everyone realizes this because we had really high expectations for the broncos defense do you know the guys who are out there playing tonight literally Half of the defense was people you had never heard of going into this season. We're talking about Jeremiah Atachu. We're talking about Mike Purcell. We're talking about A.J. Johnson. We're talking about... Horace Richards. Or, no. Shelby uh, Harris. See, not even. Shelby Harris is a good player. But not like, Shelby Harris. I mean, Trey Marshall. Trey Marshall's out there on defense and he's today. making plays. Um, Devontae Harris had to play. Like, this guy... Duke Dawson. Duke Dawson. Da- I mean, literally half the defense was guys you had never heard of going into the season. So just because we had really high expectations, I think we're missing the fact that Vic Fangio just put together this this hodgepodge of no names and made a really good defense out of it. And because of that, I think Vic would tell John not to do that deal because I think Vic will go out and say, "This is my type of corner. I don't care that he's not a big name." 
bring him in here, and he will succeed in here. I mean, that's what Bryce Callahan was. Bryce Callahan was an undrafted guy, right? Or yep. seventh-round pick? Nope. Undrafted. undrafted guy who Vic Fangio said, that's what I need. Give me that guy. Put him in the slot. Boom. He was his, he was his version of Chris Harris Jr. Yes. Without a doubt. And Ryan, we're going to have way deeper conversations about this, but everything I've seen from a Vic Fangio defense is that he can do that, is that you can give him anyone – and he's going to go out there and put together a very good defense. Yes, it will fall apart at times, but in the end, it's it's not going to break. It's going to go for 16 points a game. Did it look ugly? Yeah, it did look ugly. But 16 points, you'll take that any day of the week. And this entire season, Vic Fangio has showed that Vic Fangio has showed that he's able to put those defenses together. But now you have to, you still question. At least I question. Is this something that's going to expire? If you go into this plan next year, are you worried that you're going to run out of luck, uh, of the Vic Fangio luck? But everything we've seen says, no, you won't. Uh, great points. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, no I'm not. Um, before we move on, shout out to Green Mountain Dental. As you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental are putting the care in Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them all you got to do is take care of your teeth and green mountain dental is going to hand over a free sonicare toothbrush so make sure you check them out today online or at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment okay as we move here into the last segment let's project a little bit let's look forward and i i'll let you guys decide mace has already said they're a playoff team so i guess we're all going on the record here Zach, are the Broncos a playoff team in 2020? Yes, because they have the guy at quarterback. They're not stumbling into the playoffs. Everything I've seen says that they should absolutely be a playoff team. They have tons of money to spend. Are they losing key, key, key pieces? I don't think so because the pieces that they're losing – I think they can make up for pretty darn easy, whether it's in the draft at cornerback, whether it's in free agency at cornerback. There's good options in both, and they have plenty of money to spend. Chris is a, is a key piece, but that's a piece they can overcome. They're going to be able to add more than they're going to lose, and Drew Locke is going to take that step that I, I think everyone should feel like he's going to take that step. He's going to do that next year, and you just went 4-1, and one, and I just said you're going to upgrade the entire team and you're going to upgrade the quarterback play, and you're going to have continuity. Something that we didn't get to talk about much last week was Rich Scangarello talked about how long it takes for his offense to be in place, and he wasn't shy in saying that, yeah, it takes a long time, and we had no pieces in place at the start of the season for this thing to go. Well, now they're going to be going. So, yeah, I think it's going to be easy. I'm going to say this right now because I think it's going to become a very popular take. Uh, once the national media catches on to Drew Locke and the Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to be the surprise sleeper, whatever you want to call it, the team that catches the league by storm next year. And the reason is, one, what we just talked about. It's Vic Fangio. Again, because of how bad the offense was at the first three quarters of the season, it was really lost what a great job he was doing. I really think he's going to – I think the defense is only going to get better next year regardless of what they're – I mean, not regardless, but I think they're going to be able to lose some pieces, pick up some pieces, and end up putting out a better product next year, healthier. They're going to have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb most likely. And so I think the defense is going to be fantastic. And 
and then the other thing that I mentioned earlier, which is that Rich Gangarello is going to have an entire offseason to design the Drew Locke offense. And while he does operate within a system and he does come from the West Coast offense, he showed a lot of malleability out there during this stretch, which was that he is, he is okay with doing things if it's in the best interest of the offense and Drew Locke. And, you know, the original West Coast offense didn't have a lot of pistol, but they did use pistol out there and they did get creative and they were able to do things. So I think that this is going to be a team that has everyone raising their eyebrows early in the season. And I do think they make the playoffs next year. How much does the schedule impact that? And do you think the team would prefer to have a relatively soft start to the season rather than a difficult one to build confidence? Yeah. Get, get some wins on their belt. Like if you, I'd love to at some point say like the Broncos are eight and one under Drew Locke. Yeah. But it would help. I think if you look at those first four games and say you see the Jets on the road, but still a game that you probably would expect to win. Maybe you see Carolina. Maybe you see the Chargers or the Raiders. I think those are the sorts of games that would allow the Broncos to find some confidence and find their footing. I don't necessarily want them to open up, say, against Kansas City, followed by New Orleans. I think they're going to open up at uh, Las Vegas on Monday Night Football. Monday night, the late game yep. in prime time. I don't care how tough their schedule is at the beginning because it's kind of like what Vic Fangio said about Drew Locke uh, earlier this season. If you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. And I think that this team, especially with Drew Locke and Vic Fangio, I think that they're going to be mentally tough enough where if they are a good team, they will overcome a 1-2 and two start, a 1-3 and three start, if those four, first four games are brutally tough. But those young emerging teams, their chances of getting – to the postseason are enhanced. Take a look at Buffalo this year, getting a nice, easy start to the season. Well, they just had a nice, easy season. What do you mean? The the Bills. They played like no one. Well, they still had a better record than your Browns. <laughs> Never forget it. Still of course, because they had the easiest record. They had the easiest schedule. Still clobbered the Broncos, <laughs> yep. albeit with Brandon Allen. I wonder who yep, they're going exactly. to play. Who are they going to play in the playoffs? They're, Buffalo's playing at Houston. Oh, so well, they're going on the, the second one. round. <laughs> and Tennessee's playing at New England. And New England will oh, move on. <laughs> uh, they better be careful. Uh, Who, the Patriots or the Titans? Uh, the Patriots better yeah, be careful. Yeah, because no. No. you're talking about a game that could end the Patriots as we know them. Do you guys both want to pick the Titans right now? I'm We've picking got plenty them. of time. <laughs> no, I'm picking I'm saying it right now. Oh, okay. You're picking the Titans? I'm, I'm picking, picking the, the Titans. Pats. Come on, Ryan, you got to jump on. I want to see on. the line. Uh, the, the, I, I'll give you whatever. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'll take 21 points. But no, just Mike Vrabel knowing the Patriots better than anybody who doesn't actually work for the Patriots right now, having been a part of their run as a player and then basically learning everything from guys like Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, et cetera. It, it, the student vanquishing the teacher. It would be very kind of straight out of Star Wars where the – this, the uh, the Sith understudy is the one who slays the Sith Lord. That sort of thing. I love it. I, I hope love it the, I love the symbolism of the Patriots dynasty potentially ending at the hands of somebody who helped make it possible in the I first place. I will say the Patriots normally make quick work of games like this. Uh, but yeah, Mace, I, I hope you I hope you continue to write that story in your head because you're not going to see it unfold. We saw it. Th- hey, we saw a game like that today. 
with Brian Flores and the Dolphins going in there. We did. How about that? I mean, we did. there is no excuse. It's already happened with no a lesser excuse. team. There's no excuse. <laughs> I, but I, I'm, I, we'll see how I feel later in the week. Uh, I'm happy you both are picking the Titans. But yeah, but back to the original point. <laughs> There are there are so many examples of teams that emerged that were able to kind of parlay fast starts into say records that were ten and six and eleven eleven and five and I think the Broncos' best path to the postseason involves getting off to a fast start, stacking some wins like acorns that you're putting away for the winter, and then being able to you know lean on that and build confidence. And then if they start off say three and zero or four and zero, I think I could see them sitting at ten and six or eleven and five by the end of the year and being right where they want to be. Another thing. There will be a game on the schedule that is tougher than any of us can imagine right now. The international game? No. Oh. I'm going to call my shot as a Tampa Bay homer. It'll be when they play the Bucks, Because the Bucks, like the Broncos, went 5-3 and three in the second half of this season to finish 7-9, and nine, come back in their second year with their coach. And I think Bruce Arians will have the team improved, just like I think Vic Fangio will have this team improved. Fair enough. Uh, they're also most li- uh, most likely is that too far? There, there's a very good chance that they play an international game, which would be awesome. Um, yes, I'm I'm in for either place, uh, and I know we have listeners in Mexico City, so I'm not going to put that down at all because I think that would be really cool. But I will admit that I'm pulling for London just because we have such a large listenership there, and I think it would be really, really, really cool to go and hang out with all those people. We'll probably know really soon here. Usually they announce these things in January. Oh, God. So we'll probably know. We're going to know a lot of things really soon. We're going to know about that. We're going to find out here in the next few days about Steve Atwater, whether he's a Hall of Fame finalist once again. He better be. Yes, he better be. And no, I don't want to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> this is, a, this is I, first of all, about the schedule. I think the Broncos are going to get as favorable as a schedule as you possibly can get because I think the NFL loves when the Broncos are relevant. And it, really, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think they care about the Broncos right now. Um, they don't right now because they're not relevant. But they don't have Peyton Manning. They 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 always want the Broncos to be relevant. I think I think I think they want the Raiders to be relevant. They're a tradition. The Broncos are a traditional power in the NFL, and it's just always it's better for every sport when their traditional powers are playing well. I think they regard the traditional powers as teams like. For example, the Packers, the Cowboys. Well, yeah, those the are the Eagles. Those are also in there. The I pay- think the Broncos are in there. Yeah, I think they are. 100%. I think so. But you have to be good. You have to be good, and you have to have a good quarterback. Right, and I think now that the league sees that they have a quarterback, it's the, the this league's all about young quarterbacks right now. They're going to. I think they're going to want in terms give of prime time. Is that what you're talking? No, I'm about? just saying they're going to give them a favorable schedule. They'll get. Well, we know their opponents. Right, but I'm saying in terms of the scheduling. Mm. There may be more more games where they're seeing Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Nance and Romo only did, what, one game this year? They do one. The game they at did the, Chargers. the Chargers game in L.A. That wow. was it. What a That's gift. when it sounded like uh, Tony Romo had been out on the town enjoying Hollywood the night before. Who could blame him? <laughs> Who could blame him? But, yeah, maybe a couple more primetime games. Or, what, they had two primetime ga- games this year? I'd say probably they'll get one more primetime game. On the initial schedule, I don't I know. They get four. I don't know that it'll be a Sunday night game. I think the primetime games they get will be Thursday and Monday, and maybe a chance for a flex scheduling into a 
Saturday primetime game in December. I'm telling you, you just wait. Once the national media kind of gets off of watching Lamar Jackson, and not, not that there's anything wrong with that, once they realize what the Broncos just did and see what Drew Locke looks like, because no one is paying any attention to Denver right now, they're going to become a sexy team. Why would they pay, be, why would they pay attention year. in three months when they're not paying attention right now? Yeah, I think because they have better be stuff to year. do. Because they have, they have more time on their hands. Right now, you're looking at the playoff chase, and those there's important games being played. I'm saying once the offseason comes and they're running out of things to talk about, they're going to eventually come across the Broncos and say, Oh wow, the Broncos. I think they're going to say might oh, be something. Next yeah, year. I think they're going to look at them as a oh, that's a sleeper team, but it's not one where they're saying, man, they're going to go eleven and five and be a guaranteed playoff team. I think they're no, gonna, no, no, no. They're I gonna just be, mean that. I think I, I, I think they are a few steps still away from being nationally relevant. I think we're going to get to enjoy this. The local media and us who know what Drew is, know how good he has been following him for so long, dating back to the Senior Bowl this year. I think I think it's going to take a year for the national media to join. And uh, if you guys are along for the ride with us, which you will be, it'll be fun. Because this is really when, I think for the first time, that we're going to have a better outlook on the team that a significantly better outlook and probably more realistic that, that, than the national media. Because right now, they could look and say, ha, Broncos are taking one-game progressions each year, 5-11, and 6-10, and 7-9. Next year, they'll be a nice 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe they'll jump to 9-7. To, to and seven. I think all of us, when we go through our predictions, which I don't think we'll be doing right now, but when we do that, I think we'll probably be giving them more than one-game jump. And here's um, something that Mace and I were talking about in the press box during the game. This is one of the very few years in the last decade that the Broncos haven't been dealing with a quarterback search or a coaching a coaching search. Isn't that – I mean, that's wild. It's – it's. I mean, even in the Peyton Manning era, there was a lot of turnover in terms of the coaches. So, um, it's it's nice. And I think it's one of an, another one of those reasons why you can point to the Broncos being a riser next year is they have an offensive system in place. They have a defensive coach who is a mastermind – they have a quarterback. I mean, that is the foundation of being a good team. And in many ways, this Vic Fangio defense, especially with the duct tape and bailing wire solutions that we saw down the stretch, the Vic Fangio defense of 2019 looked an awful lot, a lot like the Vic Fangio D of 2015 in Chicago, which means that it's probably still going to take some time to get it to an elite status, but they got better each year that he was on the job. In Chicago, sort of the opposite of the Wade Phillips trend. Yep. Uh, Mace, are you able to see any questions there? Yeah, I did some screen captures on some questions here uh, over the course of the time, so let me just uh, run through them here. What a guy, always on top of things. (laughs) I try to be. Uh, Let's see here. This one, first one from Broncos Europe. Locked in. Well done this year, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out Broncos Europe. Europe. Hope we'll be seeing you soon. This one from 6507663. Just point blank. Do you think Chris Harris is back? No. Nope. Nope. Sorry. So we got 3 for 3 on playoffs, 0 for 3 on Chris. <laughs> Ale Maria 401 says stop drinking the juice please. No. Whose juice? I think it's my tea. Oh. I think it means like <laughs> <laughs> Or is it Kool-Aid? I think they're I meaning think like the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mr. Orange 303, I feel like we can win. That matters. Yeah. It right. matters more that the players and coaches feel like they can win too. And I think the one thing I will say is that on that last drive, even as the Raiders are marching to what could have been a potential game-winning touchdown if they succeed on the two-point conversion, I don't think the defense lost the belief that it was going to get out of that jam. 
I don't either. And that re- reminds me of 2015. Now, I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying that was a quality that they had. No matter what, no matter what was happening, they always felt, we'll just make that last play. Look at the AFC Championship game. It was the mm-hmm. same thing that just happened. Everything went wrong for them. They drove The Patriots drove all the way down. And then when they finally needed it, needed it most, they broke up the, the two-point conversion. It was funny because I was talking to somebody in the press box as the game ended, and he said, well, you know, the Raiders went for two, and uh, that helped out and got the Broncos out of it. I said, well, percentage-wise, going for two there was the right call because you have a 94% chance of hitting the PAT from 33 and then rough, and then 50-50 in overtime. It made sense because they so knew they were eliminated right. and well, it's the also, season but needed no, to end. In any scenario, right the right thing to do is to go for two there because you've got a 54% chance to gain two-point conversion on that single play. If you kick it, you have a 47% chance of winning. Yep. There you go. So it made sense, and it just didn't work out, but it doesn't mean the Raiders made the wrong call. This one from Gravitas Fable. Broncos need a fast cover linebacker and O-line help. I'm not a linebacker. I'm actually moving it back a little bit down the list. It's just it's they. It would be nice. It's a luxury if there's a player that wants to come here in free agency that fits, sign him up. But I, I'm not. It's not that high on the list. What would you think about Joe Schobert from Cleveland if he's available? Oh yeah, sign me up. You're paying a lot of money for it though. Well, Still that depends. Up. That depends on the money. Just it's going to be a lot. You think you could get him for twelve a year? Probably eleven the, or twelve a year. 12, 13. Remember, it just depends on who else you're in on, who else can you get, who else are you targeting. You're probably saying goodbye to Todd Davis in that case. You're getting some salary relief there. But don't forget, you can partner him with Alexander Johnson, who's going to be making league minimum salary for the next couple of years. But here, here, here's the thing. Do you need two great inside linebackers? Because look what Todd Davis has done. Has he been special? No. But has he done his job? And that goes he, into he, my, my original take, which is that it's not it's not that big of a need. But I agree. If you're str- if he wants to come here, and maybe he's taking a little bit of a discount because he wants to play for all-time great Vic Fangio, and you're not getting some of the other guys you were hoping to, and you still have all that cap space, well then, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's like everything falling yeah, into yeah, place. Exa- I, know, I, know, I, know. I mean, I started the take by saying it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> okay, so Trev- I'm not going to yeah. chase and pay a ton of money for that. Trev LA1, how many yards slash touchdowns would Sanders have had with Drew Locke at quarterback? I don't know. Uh, what I'll say is that I think in the end it was a net positive that Emmanuel Sanders wasn't here. Addition by subtraction. Yes. And I think watching the 49ers as well, the rare trade where both teams are pretty satisfied with what yeah. they got. The, the Niners needed that alpha receiver, and the Broncos needed the draft capital, and they needed to shuffle the deck leadership-wise in the locker room a little bit. They're a better team without Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. Certainly. There, there are certain players who are good in the locker room when things are good and bad in the locker room when things are bad. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is one of those guys. And Aqib Tlaib is one of those guys, too. As much as I love Aqib, the worse they got, the the less I believed in him as a true um, help to the locker Not room. Not everybody handles the adjustment in expectations and scenario well. And I think some of the guys on that Super Bowl 50 team struggled with the post-Payton reality. Yeah, for sure. Of what things became. Guys, we're still talking about Payton this offseason. Yes. (laughs) Like how they needed to replace Payton still as as a leader, not as a quarterback. When you've seen greatness like that, it becomes your standard. It's human nature. 
And then on some level, subconsciously, when it's not there, you're going to say, why can't we have that? Because we had it with 18. Yeah, there but, was a lot but of... But he is a unicorn. I mean, he's a... He is not only a top 100 player all time, according to the NFL, he's probably a top 20 player at any position all time. I'll never forget when John Elway called the team soft and someone asked Chris Harris Jr. out that question that he was sitting in the locker next to him and he said, tell Elway to stop bringing in soft quarterbacks. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Sir James Radio responded to Trev LA1 and said, I don't think Sanders would have the patience to work through rookie QB struggles. Sort of kind of mirroring what you said. Yeah, I'm sure he would have been a lot happier with Drew Locke. It seems everyone is. But I just think it started a passing of the torch to the young players. It allowed you know some of the younger voices to speak up. Remember, mm-hmm. we were saying earlier in the season, this, this offense is like Emmanuel Sanders and a bunch of young guys, and Joe Flacco, of course, at the time. Um, once you took both of those pieces off the field, I really think it allowed the the entire young group to speak their mind. Okay, some stuff on the offensive line. First from Paul Hammontree too. When we ad- when will we address the line? This yeah, may we? Sorry. When will we address the line? <laughs> yeah, the rest of it kind of devolves here. And then he says later, the offensive line played like garbage today. Locke did what he could. That's something we forgot to kind of mention um, during the Drew Locke segment of the show. Uh, I didn't think he got a lot of help at all from back from up front. This, to this I day. think, with all respect to Jake Rogers and him being a great story, he got exposed out there today. But you know whose name wasn't brought up a lot? Patrick Morris. And I don't know. Anyways. Well, how much was he out there, though? I don't know. I don't know. Because you had McGovern at center, Reisner, because he came in for Reisner, and Reisner played. Oh, okay. today. All right, all right. That's I, what I wasn't sure. You I thought, heard, you heard a I little. Thought he got a few snaps. Yeah, you heard a little he did, about Austin. He got a penalty. Right, you heard a yeah. little about Austin Schlotman in there. Right, but Morris didn't Anyways. play all that much. Bronco Duck says always an excuse with bowls. Certainly, yeah, <laughs> and and I wasn't. I, I hope you didn't think that I was making an excuse for him. I was just sharing what happened. But I will say his his teammates were making excuses for him, which <laughs> I thought was an interesting development. Yep. Certainly, don't do that for Juwan James. That's for sure. Broncos Europe. The big question: What would this team's record be if Locke had more time this year? It's hard. Ho- it's That's re- something we're definitely going to talk about in the off season. It's really hard to quantify, and we will get into it more in the off season. But like, let's say he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, the Forty Niners, and can have regular practices, and he plays well. He continues to trend up because remember he was trending up in the preseason. Right. Let's say he plays all sixteen games. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm that was never going to happen. But let's say that he after comes they're in zero and the, four, maybe. At the, and I think at the latest he comes in after the Cleveland game or after the Colts okay. game for the Cleveland game. If they're if he comes in at zero and four, they're pretty much dead in the water at that point. But if he was to go on the let's see, so he would have had twelve games. The four and one pace. You're talking about, you know, finishing. You're talking about ten wins. What results? Ten and two. What were what results would have been different? Because after zero and four, they go seven and five. Seventy five, the magic number. Uh, okay, so what were the five losses? The five losses were to the Chiefs at home. So both Chiefs games are losses. Colts on the road. Okay, that's Vikings a win. on the road. Bills on the road. Um, Colts on the road is a win. That's the one I think you can reverse. Um, Vikings. I mean, 
I say that one's a win. They were beating the heck out of them with Brandon Allen. I think yep. that's a win too. Just the way that that game went, I, I I wouldn't have said it going in, but looking how it happened, I think they would have they would have stayed strong. They would have won. And I, they got so walloped in the Bills game that it's hard to say that would be flipped. I will say I think it would have been a totally different game, especially because Brandon Allen couldn't throw in the wind. So they win two more games. They're so, nine and seven. So they're they go in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs because oh. they win a tiebreaker with the Titans. Unbelievable. How about that? How about that? <laughs> and so, so when Vic last week comes out and says, you know, we played this whole thing right with Drew, it's hard to argue with that because they did go four and one under Drew. Drew did look very good as a rookie, but he's leaving out the whole part of what if he played earlier. What if you didn't put him on the IR? And, uh-huh. yes, he was out a few weeks. Brandon Allen was your backup. But he was medically cleared way before he was off IR. You let him practice earlier because he there's no limit on when he can start practicing if he's not on the IR. That's, I think, the thing that the Broncos are overlooking when they talk about how they played this perfectly with Drew. No, you were that close to the playoffs. Yeah, and but if he would have played and he would have done this, they can always live in the world, though, where they weren't, where Drew wasn't going to play this well because he wasn't ready. I know, and that's what they're going to fall back. And, on. Right, that's but what I'm I saying. Mean. What they aren't looking at is, well, what if he played earlier? A hundred percent. And I think that's a really fun thing that we will probably talk about thirty-seven times oh, this yes. offseason. Oh mm-hmm. yes, maybe even seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look here. This from Chris O'Brien 7 regarding Drew Locke. Low yardage, good ratio, good percentage, and we know there's a high ceiling. Yep. Totally. And this offense isn't necessarily designed to put up big passing numbers. Be nice if it could sometimes, though. Sometimes you need them to win. Totally. I well, think they will. Look what happened in Houston. I think, the, I think people are really underrating the idea of the Broncos going wide receiver in the first round. If they can cross items off the shopping list in free agency, it's a legit possibility. And I just think it's such – I mean, it's not 100% can't miss, but there's so much talent that it's definitely the most can't miss position. I don't know how many guys will be off the board by the time they pick. Also, we should know where their pick is um, here pretty soon. But I think I, if, if I'm calling my shot right now, I'm saying they go wide receiver. According to Tankathon, the Broncos will pick 15th. Oof. Right. So among Max seven Devin. and nine, where would they have picked if they lost today? This if is they had hurt. lost today, they would. Well, let's see. Strength of schedule is five ten. If they had lost today, they would have picked tenth. Oh. Five oh. spots. <laughs> it hurts. Shelby Harris cost the Broncos up. five spots of draft position. <laughs> <laughs> That's his parting gift. Oh God. Because there are three team or six teams at seven and nine. That hurts. The Jets, Raiders, Colts, Bucks, Broncos. And Falcons, and they got like they got a nice gift on the Jets winning today over the Bills because the Bills rested oh everybody. God, it hurts, it hurts, but I think it's for the best in the long term. Yeah, but man, it does hurt a lot. <laughs> oh, but here's what I'll always come back to whenever someone says the Broncos could have had this guy and they got this guy, they could have had that guy. All they had to do was trade up and they could have got him. If you want a guy bad enough, you can go get him. Yeah, but they have a lot of needs, and you like having the draft capital. So, anyway, speaking of draft needs, Chad, that's not Chad. Needs speed at wide receiver, in my opinion. Have possession players, obviously. Yeah, I think we're going to say this a million times over the next few months. Vertical speed wide receiver. It's what Team they, speed as a whole. what they don't have. So, when you're talking about first-round wide receivers, guys that may be there at 15, 
Got my eyes on Henry Ruggs. Oof. The yes. Alabama streak ends. Is that what you're in saying? In the first round with a wide receiver. <laughs> no, I don't think that'll happen. But boy, would that be so exciting. I don't know if Henry Ruggs actually will be available. I think that he's going to dominate the combine and shoot up the boards. I think he's going to get the, the Tyreek Hill effect big time. Yep. Yep. Sir James Radio. Drew Locke is going to win MVP next year. RK proclaimed it. Three exclamation points. I think that's what I said. Just like kind of how when like did I you s- say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how I said uh, uh, Joe Flacco is going to win Comeback Player of the Year and MVP, <laughs> which I never said. Which I also never said about Drew Lock. But hey, <laughs> oh, you for sure said that about about Joe. Here's not a con- seriously. <laughs> Here's a contrarian take from Indy Chicobo. Bronco should rebuild the entire offense and tank next year to get Trevor Lawrence. Why you no. got Drew? No, you, you got, do not do that. You got Drew. In fact, during the game today, I asked Ryan if he'd rather have Joe Burrow or, uh, well, I'll just do it right now, Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Joe Burrow or Drew Locke? Drew Locke. Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Drew Locke? Drew Locke. Okay. Ooh. That's bold. Mace, give me your, your three, your order. I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. Joe Burrow Would you and Drew have Joe Locke. Burrow or Drew Locke? I'm, I'm neutral on. Nope, this you're point. picking number one overall. <laughs> Both those guys are on the board next year. I'm probably picking Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, I much rather live. But I'm giving him a scheme that he can win with. I'm yeah. Good luck. Uh, I'd much rather live in the world of the known than the unknown when it comes to the quarterback position, and that's that's what it comes down to here. Um, I also don't think joe burrow has any gifts that drew lock doesn't um trevor lawrence does but trevor lawrence is the unicorn for sure but again i'm living in the world of the known i know how drew lock responds to playing in the nfl and it's really really good and i know how drew lock acts in a locker room full of people who are all older than him and it's really really good and i know how drew lock does in the wins and loss category in the nfl and it's really really good and because of that, I'm just a lot of the other stuff just goes out the window for me because I know those things, and I don't know any of that about those other guys. That's fair. That's fair. All right, I this th- one from Chad. Last one. Just picked up my sign, Chris Harris Jr. jersey last week. Bummed to see him likely go, but he's a Bronco forever, and he's a exactly. legend forever. He's, he's going to be, be in the Ring of, of Fame of someday. It's it's a great jersey yeah. to have for sure. It's not 100%. going out of style. Definitely not going out of style. Oh, one more comment. All right. This one from K Ripper 3030. Nice boots. Who? <laughs> Thank you. We're all wearing boots. <laughs> We're all wearing boots today. Probably boot Zach. Squad. They're the most visible. They are the Mine most are flashy. visible. Mine are flashy. Yeah. Ryan's are nice as well. Mace, yours is nice. Are nice as They're just well. old brown boots. That's all they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks for everyone for tuning in all season. Um, we aren't going to podcast all off season. Oh, wait. No, we're still going to podcast <laughs> five days a week in the off season. We never slow down. We never stop. I saw someone tweet at you how many uh, pods in the off season. So for all the newcomers, we never stop. And even though some people might think there's nothing to talk about, we always find something to talk about. So uh, hang with us. I personally think the pod gets even better in the off offseason. Um, so we will talk to you soon. And the offseason hasn't even really begun because tomorrow we'll be talking with John L.A., Vic Fangio, and Joe Ellis. So there'll be plenty of news to come after that. Um, but 
We appreciate you rolling with us all season and especially tonight, and we will talk to you tomorrow. South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.